0: On Friday, I was reading from Psalm 103, and God highlighted for me verse 2, in which the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all my benefits. And um, if you're familiar with Psalm 103, the psalmist goes through and talks about The benefits of being a child of God and God I wrote in my journal the point of application for me was that I needed to go back and remember not forget remember what it is that God has done for me and let that be what was on my mind all day long all that God had done for me I want to challenge you that as we enter into uh, the Thanksgiving season and we enter into Christmas, that you would remember what it is that God has done for you. And obviously, Thanksgiving is a holiday that we are to highlight that, but many times we become fixated on the things that are wrong. In our lives the challenges in our lives and we forgot to let our minds dwell on that which God has done that reminds us of his faithfulness for the days ahead amen now Thanksgiving is about that but obviously right after Thanksgiving we go into the season of the year that we remember that God did that one thing to secure our eternity with him he sent the Savior he gave us the greatest gift of all And so I want to just kind of set that in your minds as we enter into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Forget not all of his benefits. Remember what God has done for you in the midst of your pity party. Or is that just me? No. Uh, Remember what it is that God has done for you and then follow that up with the reality that the one thing he did that we couldn't do for ourselves, the ultimate thing was he sent the Savior to die for our sins and we remember that at Christmas. I was going to share this later but I want to go ahead and share it this morning. I want to challenge you as Christians entering into uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas season, the holidays, I want to challenge you with two things. and I'm going to go ahead and just lay this out here. And we'll talk about it in the weeks to come. Two things. Uh, Some of it ties in to what I'm preaching. But I want you to ask God in this Thanksgiving Christmas season. um, What can you do for someone that God would bring to your path uh, we might say that their circumstances are not what ours are they might have a need in their life I don't, I don't know who God will bring to your heart and across your path would you first do something for somebody else this year intentionally as a Christian to say here is someone in need uh, and I am so blessed <laughs> would you sincerely pray that this this holiday season God who is it that I could bless because you've been a blessing to me all right I want you to go ahead and begin to pray that now because it may come up Thanksgiving it may not come up at Christmas the second thing would you give during this holiday season so that the gospel would go around the world? Would you, do, would you g- not only give to someone who is like right in front of you, it may be a neighbor, a work associate, I don't know, somebody you go to school with. I don't, I don't know who it is. It could be a random person that comes to your door or you come across at a gas station. I don't know. Do for somebody that's right in front of you, but would you also give so that the gospel would go around the world? Now, we as a church have a world mission offering. And obviously your pastor wants you to give to that, give sacrificially to that. There may be something else. There may be another missions organization that you're aware of, or I I don't know what that is. But would you do something locally and would you do something internationally this year intentionally to say that God, as you have blessed me, I want to be a blessing to others. Would you begin to pray about that? And... uh, and I'll be interested to see what it is that God leads you to do in these days that was that not even part of my sermon all right somebody start your clock on my sermon now 45 minutes brother Shane no uh, I got to thinking this week about what is it that makes a good day what are the things that I would include in a list, and I would say this from a human perspective, a human perspective, what would be on a list of things you would say, this is what would make a good day? And I want you to to think about that. And this is my list. You can come up with your own list. When you get to be preacher here and they ask you to preach a sermon, you can come up with your own list. This is my list. I came up with eight things that um, I would say from a human perspective, just a human perspective, this isn't isn't spiritual. This is just Daryl Smith. Uh, What would make a good day? Are these going to be like bullets that come up? All right. Bullet number one. Do something you enjoy. Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't know, that may be deer hunting. You may be a fisherman in the midst of deer season, that's all right. You might enjoy watching college football. You might enjoy going shopping. But I think a good day you would say is a day that I do something I enjoy to do. Number two, do something productive. You can't let number one interfere with number two. You know, there's a point where you can have so much fun that you're not doing anything productive. Do something with your hands. Make something, um, create something, do something productive. Do something that benefits society. And this may relate to your work. I don't know. I don't know. But do something that you would say at the end of that, it's like, <gasps> it may be clean the house. I split some firewood yesterday. Not very long, but I did a little while. Something productive. Uh, You could maybe think of a lot of things. But I think there is a sense in a good day you say, you know, I did something productive. I didn't just, you know, focus on number one and forgot to do anything else. Number three, read something good. Do something to expand your mind Mm, okay, I lost a few of you on that one. That's all right. This is my list. Th- those that I didn't lose you on three, I lost, I'm going to lose you on number four, which is get some exercise. If you split wood, you can fulfill a couple of these. You know, Do something productive and uh, get some exercise, whatever that exercise is. But I think part of a good day is getting some exercise. Number five, talk to someone you love. I think that's part of a good day. Number six, do something for someone else. This is kind of what I was alluding to in my challenge for the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Do something for someone else. Find someone else in need and do something that you can do for them. Number seven, probably going to get some amens on this one, eat something good, amen? You know, originally on this list, I put eat something sweet. But I thought, cricket, you know, you may want salty. You may not want to go sweet. You may want to go salty, and that's all right. I had to respect that, and so I broadened it out. But eat something good. And number eight, to top it all off after you've eaten something good, take at least a short nap. Amen? So uh, that's kind of my list of eight things. From a human perspective, not spiritual, a human perspective that makes a good day. I don't know what would be on your list, um, but I want to talk about time today. How we spend time, or the word that I've used, how do we invest. We've talked about eternal investing Investing our time, talents, and money on eternal things. And I want to ask the question today, how do we invest our time to make an impact on eternity? And I want you to actually do some self-evaluation in the next few moments. And think about how do I spend my time Now, it would be easy for me to say that all of us have the same amount of time, and technically that may be true, that all of us in the course of a day have 24 hours, but the reality is that some people have more demands, responsibilities on their lives and their Quite honestly, their lives may be busier and time may be a more precious commodity than others who have more free time. And so I don't know that it's even legitimate for me to say, well, we've all got the same 24 hours because some people have greater demands and greater responsibilities, or maybe in a season of life in which certain things uh, are dominating their time. And I want us to understand that, but I want us To ask the question, how do we invest our time to make an impact on eternity? I want us to think about three verses of scripture that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 15, 16, and 17. Paul says, see then that you walk circumspectly, we'll talk about that word circumspectly here in just a minute, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I would contend, and I believe it was in Paul's mind, that time is a a resource, a commodity that just like our money or our talents, that we can invest in eternal things. But I would also contend from the words of Paul that we must be intentional. We must think about it. If we do not think about it, we will waste our time on things that are not eternal. In verse 15, Paul says, see then that you walk. Anytime the apostle Paul, and I almost think this word is exclusive to to Paul in the New Testament, although I don't know that, but I think of it more from Paul than any of the other writers. When Paul talked about our walk, he talked about our daily lives. And so when Paul talks about our walk, It's a very practical term. Think about, uh, this is the sense, think about how you live day by day. Not the big picture, not not huge, don't get super complicated. How do you spend and live your day-to-day activities? And so anytime Paul talks about the walk, it is something that is very practical. It is about our daily life. It is about the habits, the things that we do on a daily basis he says see then that you walk circumspectly I will tell you this morning I have a lot of education I do not even know what the word circumspectly means except there is a note in my Bible that says carefully I even looked it up in the Greek this morning I went hmm I still don't know what it means Uh, (laughs) It it means to be attentive, to be careful. And when I read it in the Greek, it literally meant watch carefully how you walk. Watch carefully how you walk. Be attentive and focused on the way you live your daily life. But I got to thinking about when Paul says, circumspectly, note carefully, it implies that we could waste our time carelessly because he's talking about time. And he's saying, through lack of attention and focus, we could be careless when it comes to time, or what we would say we could waste our time. We could, we could get all caught up in all the things that we think we ought to do and the people around us are doing, and we could waste our time with things that really don't matter, which is the point that Paul is getting at. Don't be careless, but be careful how you invest your time. Then he says, not as fools, but as wise I would contend this morning that what Paul means here is the fool is the one that only looks at this life and not the life beyond this life. And the wise man is the one who lives this life with an eternal perspective. Does that make sense? And I kind of gauge that from uh, the psalmist saying, remember, I think that if you said, if I said the word fool, Where is that in the Bible? You would say, Oh, the Psalms. And actually, the preacher doesn't know what the reference is right now. I ought to know. Somebody looked that up for me. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So Paul says it's possible for us to be a fool and not acknowledge that there is a God and live for this world and to to use our resources including our time on the things of this world that don't have an eternal impact. In fact Jesus told a story of a fool. A parable in in Luke uh, chapter 12. He tells the story of a man and it was about riches and wealth but it applies to time in Luke 12, 16, uh, then he, he, being Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, whose will those things be which you have provided? And this is Jesus' closing statement about what this parable means. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In the story, the parable that Jesus tells, God calls the man a fool because he invested all of his time and resources into worldly things and the reality is that night he was going to lose all of it because he was going to die. Foolish is the man who would invest his life in something that the moment of death could be taken away and you could lose it all. Who would make an investment into something and put all of your life into something but one event could wipe it all out? That would be foolish. This is in line with the words of Jesus that we've been looking at in Matthew 6, 19 and 21, that we do not lay up treasures on earth, but we lay up treasures in heaven. The same concepts that Jesus teaches in the parable that Jesus tells, it is interesting that the man, you know, it's in verse 17, he he thought within himself. And then you have these whole series of the pronoun I and mine. What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods. And I think at that point God said, oh no, now you've done made me mad. It's interesting, the man said, my soul. And that's when God speaks and says, oh, talking about your soul the reality is is tonight you're about to pass into eternity and you're going to find out in your soul you're in deep poverty because you haven't stored up anything eternally Jesus calls that man who would only invest his time and talents and money On earthly things a fool because at death he loses it all and so Paul says in Ephesians 5 15 see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise make sure that you live your life in the wisdom of an eternal perspective Things that count, even when you die. Hmm. The reality is, is that we can be busy in our lives with many quote unquote unquote good things. Could be work. And I would contend, according to God's scripture, that work is significant, that we need to be making uh, a contribution to society in what we do, in the services that we provide, of making this world better for those human beings that God loves. We can busy our life with the good thing of work. We can busy our, our life with family. And obviously, family is a good thing. We can busy our life with hobbies, and I honestly think God wanted us to enjoy the world and the things that we are able to do, but the reality is those good things can crowd out the godly things. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Life is not about just good things, no, from an eternal perspective, it's about eternal things, godly things. Do you know that there is, a, <laughs> there is a function on your iPhone that will tell you how much screen time you have on a daily basis? I turned off the function, quite honestly. I didn't want to see that. I didn't It literally popped up on my phone the other day as I'm working on this sermon, like boop. I'll just confess, two and a half hours is what it said. I was a little offended by that, and so I've taken my phone in to be kind of reprogrammed or something, so then surely that couldn't be true. Um, Wow. Nothing wrong with modern technology, whether that's an iPad, a cell phone, whatever it is. But if good things crowd out godly things, then we've got a problem with our time. And whether our time, we are investing our time in eternal things or earthly things. So Paul says in verse 16, redeeming the time. This word redeeming is the picture of buying back a slave out of slavery. That's what Jesus did for us in his salvation, that we were enslaved to sin and Jesus bought us out. He redeemed us. He paid the price for us to be brought out of our our bondage. It's a word that we could also translate in the English, rescue. (laughs) Do you understand When Paul says redeeming the time, the implication is that the world and the pursuit of worldly things has put us in bondage in the things that they say we ought to be spending our time on. And he says to Christians, redeem the time. Rescue your time. it's, It's not for the world to tell you how you ought to spend your time in pursuing the things or whatever, we look around and we think, well, that's important and everyone's doing it and I've got to do that. And Paul says, no. Make sure that you walk carefully, not as fools as wise, redeeming the time. We must be intentional about how we spend our time. And quite honestly, this sermon is somewhat of just a, is a, is a wake-up call. That All I'm asking you is, no, think about it. How do you spend your time? And are you investing it in things that are eternal or simply are you laying up treasures on earth by the things that you are investing your time in? Don't waste your time on non-eternal things. So in verse 16 he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That is Paul's way of saying you live in a world that is bent on things that are not of God. And if you get in the flow of that life, the pursuit of non-eternal things will consume all of your time. The world will lead us astray and will keep us from investing our time in eternal things then in verse 17 he says therefore do not be unwise don't live as the fool but understand what the will of the Lord is the will of the Lord the will of the Lord is a phrase that speaks about those things that God wants us to do and the reason God wants us to do those things is because those things impact eternity there are things that God asks us to do because they are opportunities to impact eternity Uh, two Sundays ago I talked about the challenge for us as a church to make sure that we were structured, we were set up, and whether it's the budget or whether it's our programs, but we were doing things that were investing our time, talents, and money in eternal things. Quite honestly, that's why we exist. There's a lot of other service organizations out there, Uh, but the the church is not a service club. We are not a country club. For our social lives, we are here to make an eternal impact. We are to be doing the will of the Lord. We are to be doing the things that impact eternity. And so the challenge for us as a church, and, and we started with, with Matthew 6:19, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven." The church, your church the vast majority of you are members of this church and you're a part of the family. This is what we do. And yes, we set up a budget, but a budget is a a means of saying these are the things that we believe are important and this is how we're going to invest our financial resources and personnel and all of that so that we impact eternity. That is why the church exists. And quite honestly, we are a means and avenue for you not only to invest your money in eternal things, but we are also here to give you an opportunity to invest your time in eternal things. And so we are structured in such a way that we come together uh, in small groups at other times and we develop relationships within the body of Christ so that we are. Uh, encouraged to grow and mature and to learn the truth of the way that Christ set out for us. And that's why we have relationships and that's why relationships are important within the body of Christ. Iron sharpens iron. We teach one another. We spur one another on. We are developing an eternal perspective in our hearts as we meet for Bible studies and at other times. When we come to worship, we are focused on eternal things. We give you an opportunity. Obviously, Brother Shane leads and does an incredible job. Uh, Steve Gross does things behind the scenes uh, that uh, even makes me look good. Um, This is an opportunity... The church exists to give you an opportunity to worship an eternal God. Uh, I, I know you can do that at home, but there is a dynamic here that is irreplaceable. The church exists to give you opportunity to invest your time in eternal things. And then ultimately we spring out of all of that inside the four walls, to go outside the four walls, to impact our world with the gospel. Uh, we give opportunity for a Kim Matchett and a Cricket Maury to go to Africa to impact the world for the gospel someplace that would not hear the gospel otherwise. Many of you work in our food pantry, an opportunity for us to do missions here in our local home and I know technically it happens within our four walls, but it reaches people outside of our four walls. And many of you are the hands and feet that we are sharing the gospel in a very practical way with the people of our community. You may be a part of the most excellent way. You may be a part of meals for most excellent way, or you may be one of the people in the leadership of most excellent way that are loving people that are struggling and need hope. Our church exists to give you opportunities to invest your time in eternal things. That's why we exist as a church. Our time is a lot like our money. In fact, we would not only say we spend money, but we would also say we spend time. Time is a commodity that God gives us. Last Sunday we talked about money. And the starting perspective, an eternal perspective, that we start with our money is that 100% of our money is God's. And God asks us in honoring Him to take the first 10%, not the last 10%, the first 10% and say, God, because you've blessed me with 100%, I'm going to invest what you've given to me in your local storehouse, which is the church, my first 10%, the tithe. And there are monies beyond that of the 90%. What does God ask us to do? He asks us to take the 90% and to use that in accordance with how he would want to. So it's not just that we go, well, I've given my 10%. I can spend the 90% any way I want to. No, God says the 90% is mine too. But the 90% exists for you to take care of your needs. Yes. We have house payments. We have rent. We have utilities to pay. All kinds of things. What? what? Got to get grown. Get grown. We, we enjoy eating, brother David, don't we? Yeah. Uh No, we have to take care of our basic necessities. And the amazing thing, and I shared this last week, is God blesses us beyond our necessities, which are the 90% or less than 90%. And he gives us enough, like my parents gave me the quarter going to Sunday school when I was under 10 years of age. They gave it to me, and I was to give it to God. God gives it to us. We are to give it back to honor him, the first 10%. We take it to the local storehouse, and we are responsible at the church to use that to make an eternal impact, and that's our challenge. But our time is like our money, and that here it is, people. A hundred percent of my time is God's. That was part of what he was communicating to the man in Luke 12. Oh, you think you got it all together? Well, the reality is you're about to pass into eternity tonight. Let's see where your soul is then. I'm sorry, that was, that was Brother Daryl. That wasn't God. Jesus wouldn't speak that way. A hundred percent of our time is God's. And God knows, just like the 90%, that we, most of us need to work, and we need to take care of things around the house and in the yard, and we've got some other things that we we have family responsibilities, things that we have to do, but do you understand the parallel between the tithe and our time? That we have to start with saying, no, God, 100% of it's yours, and God, whatever it is that you want to do with my time, you have the right at work, at school, when I'm at home, to say, no. I need you to do this. And all that it many times cost us is time, but it's the one thing we don't want to give up. Part of that time is coming to the church for the eternal things that happen here, but that's not solely it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That if I start my day and I say, this, today's my day, and I'm going to do today what I want to do, and God wants to do something in my life. I don't even have that on my radar, because I've started with the premise: this is my time. And I think many times what we do, we do with our time, what we do with our money. And I described this last week. We don't say God 100% of it's yours. We say 100% of it's mine. And God, if there's anything left over at the end, I'm going to give that to you. And I think many times we not we do that not only with our money. We do it with our time. God, I've got this responsibility. I got to do all these things. I got to work. I I got to do all these things. I got to take care of this and this and this. And God, if there's anything left over at the end, I'm going to give that to you. And I'm going to say, just like our money, that's disrespectful to God. I would say with our time, that's disrespectful to who God is. Because God says, Noah, you've got to start with the premise that 100% is mine. And anytime I want to interrupt your agenda, Daryl Smith, I have the right to do that because you are are mine and your time is mine and if you don't like it you can just come be with me and we'll end your time that's that's daryl smith once again that's not god that's julie that's the way i would talk to him but god's a lot nicer than i am what i'm saying to you is we have to say god today is your day and whatever you want to do with my time, God, it's your time. And I, I, if any of y'all know me, I'm, I'm type A, I'm driven. I've, I wake up every day. I got a list of things. I'm about to end my sermon with a list. I got a list of things I'm going to do. And I'll just tell you, I end the vast majority of days without fulfilling my list. But that's just the start of the list the next day. Daryl Smith has to make sure that I'm focused to say God what is it that you want to do not is it what I feel like I have to do I'm gonna close with this can we do our my list at the end if I had to create a godly day a day that was focused on eternal things first do something productive It's actually the same thing I said in the good day list. Because I believe God wants us to be productive. I am not suggesting to you that a godly day is a day that I don't do anything of a practical nature. No. Do something productive that benefits society and builds it up and makes this world a better place. Number two, read some of the scriptures. spend some time in God's word because it creates an eternal perspective in my life. Number three, have a, God, a gospel conversation. Talk to someone in the course of your day about eternity and what Jesus Christ has done to make it a possibility for us. Number four, Talk with God. Spend some time talking with God in prayer. Number five, do something for someone else. That is, there are people in your life that come with needs. Do something for someone else that doesn't benefit you anything. Ideally, Jesus said, do something for people that can't you back because <laughs> then you know your rewards in heaven and then number six spend some time in silence we don't really deal with silence very well it's what the psalmist said be still and there's, there's a lot of noise and I think a godly day would be a day that at least part of that day you spend in silence. Do something productive. Read some of the scriptures. Have a gospel conversation. Talk with God. Do something for someone else. Spend some time in silence. My question is how are you investing your time? Is it on good things? That was my first list. Or is it on godly things that make an eternal impact? The choice is yours, and all of us are blessed by God with another day today, and we must be intentional to invest our time in eternal things. Amen? Amen. If you'd stand with me this morning. I'm sorry, my sermon on time went long. We'll make it up. Um, I would encourage you seriously uh, that you would take this time of invitation uh, to evaluate your life and how it is that you spend your time. And maybe there's a commitment that you'd make. You'd come to the altar and say, God, I don't know, maybe one of those things I put on the, the screen at the end. God, how do I invest my time intentionally in eternal things?